the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise well, we clergy face a conundrum on days like this. Um, particularly long-time Episcopal clergy and also long-time Episcopal laity people. And that is that uh, do you have a sermon series and speak of things that have nothing to do with the readings from the Lenten passages that have been assigned? Or do you uh, change the Lenten passages that have been assigned that match the sermon series? Or do you not ever have a sermon series? What to do? And um, we have a gracious bishop who allows us some flexibility about this and has grants us permission to... Uh, play around with the lectionary for sermon series seasons, and that's what we have today. I would encourage you, if that is something missing in your life, uh, that regular pattern of, of looking forward to what you might think you should be hearing during Lent from the Bible, that you can Google lectionary, and it will pop up right away the uh, proper readings for each week, and you may tackle that as well. Meanwhile, uh, we have... Uh, looked to other places of scripture, of God's words, to accomplish our task of a five-week journey to take together, and uh, something that I expect and believe will bless you indeed. Um, not only will we uh, provide thoughtful thoughts about this in this sermon series, but um, some materials as well. You have received a gift from your St. Paul's family this morning, one for each household. I know yours is a different color. I think yours is prettier than mine. Uh, but um, the prayer of Jabez, if it, if it titillates your imagination at all, uh, it's hard to find these anymore. And the ones in your hands were shipped from South Africa or somewhere else in Africa. I think it was South Africa. And arrived in a timely fashion for the people of St. Paul's to use for Lent. Somebody made some extra effort to get them here because they were in Africa and not here, this many books. Isn't that neat? God's good people working for God's good people. 
January 2011, a covenant month for the people of St. Paul's. You may not have been here then if you're newer to our family than that. But in January, we established a, uh, a team approach to a covenanting our intentions of how we would live as followers of Christ in 2011. And you, you may uh, have uh, not only embraced it, but perhaps could recite it right back to me quite easily what our three covenant intentions were for 2011. Choose Christ daily, which basically means, uh, Lord, when I wake up in the morning, I really want to know what you would like for me to do today, not what I want to do today. Choose Christ daily. Receive the Holy Spirit was the second covenant intention, which is simply to acknowledge, I don't do this thing very well, life, that is, and relationships. Without your help, Lord, may your Spirit accompany me in his power and his grace to exceed my own will and purposes and overcome even my temptations. And finally, uh, a third step of this covenant we made in January was go and find them. And we know very well now who the them are. Uh, they're blowing a whistle of yearning, thirst, hunger. And we see it either by what they've said or by what they're doing, or we might even see it in their eyes, or we just know that this is a person who needs to discover what I have discovered, we are thinking and saying, God is love. And his son, Jesus, loves the people of the world, offer himself. This person needs to have a closer relationship or a new relationship with the Savior and friend that I know, whose name is Jesus and whose, whose father is the God of all creation. So there are the three tasks. Wouldn't it be lovely if from January to March we could simply build on that wonderful foundation and use Lent as additional leverage for our lives to go further up and further in? C.S. Lewis would describe it in this fashion. Uh, but to take a journey together, we're a team, using a team approach, and tackle Lent together. So the answer to that question when it was asked in a smaller setting of disciple leaders of St. Paul's was, yes, that would be a great thing to do for Lent. What if we could have a sermon series directing and encouraging that? Are there any other materials that would be helpful? Well, this is laid out in the Sunday news today, so you can take that home with you uh, uh, if you sleep through this sermon, for example, and you can, you can get it again at home. Uh, you can look inside the Sunday news and say, well, where is this sermon series going? And there's a five-week uh, layout of a step-by-step, -step, at least a sermon title to say, get some sense of the direction. And perhaps best of all, you have a gift from Africa. And it's for you. And it's for us. And in this book is an assignment. It's also written into the Sunday News. What this book will tell you to do is to pray a specific prayer every day of Lent. It will encourage you to continue that prayer from, that day, from this day forward for the rest of your life. This book will also tell you that you are to read this book once a week for the five weeks of Lent. It's not hard, it's not very long, and it's large print, and you can do it if you want to do it, and you can do it if you want to do it and fail and say, Lord, I can't do this without your help. Come Holy Spirit and help me with this. Make time and find time to focus on this. And the third step is the most interesting of all, but it's exactly what we said since January and before is uh, get off campus, find an unchurched or de-churched person 
that comes across your path and tell them a story about God. More about that later in this sermon series, but many of you could do it right now this morning. Tell them a little story about God. I was stuck here in this situation, and I prayed to God, and this happened, and this, is, this was the outcome. Praise God. Planting a seed. thought of another way also you might con- consider is if not telling a story to another individual. The women all heard this at the women's retreat. We heard it from Bishop Lawrence on Monday night when he came as a guest to speak to our small group leaders and to our staff in our vestry. Um, but uh, another way to do this is as somebody approaches you or you approach them and they tell you a need in their lives. And you might tell a story about how God met a need in your life and encourage them that he can do the same for them. Or you might say, or you might, and you might say, well, let me pray about that with you right now. Would you mind? We're going to be planting seeds out here in Somerville among the unchurched and the de-churched people. How are you going to find them? How about a daily prayer? This week, Lord, help me to see one that I'm supposed to see that needs to hear your good news from my lips and in my actions and then open our eyes. So the further task is not only a book a week, but a person a week, at least one, who's specifically unchurched. It's not fair to go to John Scott and tell him a story. (laughs) Or to numerous other individuals in this parish who might qualify as a person who's not unchurched and not de-churched. How about going after some hard cases? Not the member of the elders of the Presbyterian Church, Unless you perceive somehow he doesn't, she hasn't gotten it yet. Or the elders of the Bethany Methodist Church, whatever. Open your book to page 9. This excites me every time I read it. I hope this will stir your own hearts. Page 9. First sentence, opening chapter. The little book you're holding is about what happens when ordinary Christians, that's you, perhaps? Are you an ordinary Christian? When ordinary Christians decide to reach for an extraordinary life, which, as it turns out, is exactly the kind God promises. Now, this book also provides some leverage for how an ordinary Christian might take hold and reach for an extraordinary life because it's going to require some decision-making on your part. Probably not just a decision to grow. Bob Hilton, I love that, what you shared with me yesterday. And probably not a decision merely to grow. That's easy. Uh, But a decision to change how we do things. Look at the bottom of this page. Want a bigger vision for your life? A professor asked the author of this book. Sign up to be a gimper for God. A gimper? That's not in the Bible, by the way, but it's a helpful word. A gimper, as the professor explained, was someone who always does a little more than what's required or expected. Dr. Soom took as his text the prayer of Jabez and noted Jabez wanted to be more and do more for God. So there is a qualifier here. Are you an individual that the Lord has created such a hunger and thirst in your heart and life that you really would like to do more for God? Be more for God. You can be 16 years old and make that decision. We know that. And you can be 60 years old 
and make that decision for the first time. Yes, from this point forward, I want to do more and be more for God. And the key is being a gimper for God, going the extra mile, John preached not too long ago, and what that looks like for a Christian. Look on page, on the right side, what is that page? Um, 11, yes. Another key, another answer. I would tell you that it was the cry of a gimper named Jabez who is still remembered not for what he did, but for what he prayed and for what happened next. So we've got two answers to the problem. How do I move from where I am today to where I want to be tomorrow? And one is you have to make a decision. Do you want to be a gimper for God? And number two, be willing to pray what he prayed and look forward to what happens next. So then, page 12, under the subtitle, The Prodigy of the Genealogy, someone once said there is really very little difference between people. I noticed that too. There really is very little difference between people. But that little difference makes a great deal of difference. That's a pretty potent thought. Not a whole lot of difference among us, but that little difference, the one who knows Jesus in all his fullness and the one who does not, as an example, is a very great difference. And finally, to page 14. This could be your story. It is my story. It's many of our stories. Maybe it's all of our stories, the bottom of the page. Things started badly for a person no one had ever heard of. He prayed an unusual one-sentence prayer. Things ended for him extraordinarily well. Because the ending is, God granted Jabez's request. So, what is being offered to you is a tool of leverage under four principles and embedded in this prayer, oh, that you would bless me indeed. It's on the right side of the page here. First Chronicles, Chronicles 10, 4. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. And notice that what will be unpacked in this book, at first glance, these four requests may strike you as sincere, sensible, even noble, but not terribly remarkable. You Yet, 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 just under the surface of each lies a giant paradigm breaker that runs exactly opposite to the way you and I usually think. This is not about growth. This is about change and transformation for your life, in your life, and through your life. What about the potential for change and transformation for another person whose life you will impact as we move off campus? as we're giving intentional eyes to see and look and discern, and as we're willing to take a risk with an individual and tell a story of God in our lives to encourage them in their lives, or when we're willing to say, could we pray about that right now? Would you mind if I offer up a prayer right this moment? Could you hold my hands maybe? Wow. Oh, that you would bless me indeed.
I made a resolution to not have a long sermon this morning. Um, I have more to say that I'm not going to say. Um, I will say this, that uh, the Ephesians passage began, Praise be to the Lord, who has blessed us with all kinds of blessings. And then Paul enumerates those blessings in that Ephesians letter. Well, goodness, he sent his son. He's brought redemption and rescue through his blood. He chose us. He goes on and on of what a privilege it is. What a blessing, Lord, you have been in our lives. And to go further and say, yes, we have been blessed. And the purpose of that is to be a blessing to others. God now wants to use us as an instrument. Jesus sums it up in another way in the gospel today. And he says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. In other words, it's not about me, it's about others. You must deny yourself. It's becoming an other-centered person. He says you must take up your cross every day. We're going to pray a prayer every day of choosing Christ daily. We're going to pray the prayer of Jabez every day. And the way he says you take up your cross every day, which is to say be other-centered every day. So must deny himself, must take up his cross and follow me which might be also easily said, imitate me. Do as I do to others. And behind that backdrop, not in this particular gospel reading, but it's emphasized over and over, and it was in Ephesians today, and he also will give you the Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. That's the spirit of power and the spirit that enables us to change and to do what we could, thought we could not do. You know, I've fallen in love with Eugene Peterson's translation, and I will end with this. Um, as he read that, uh, as he has translated that gospel passage of taking up your cross daily, Eugene translates that passage this way. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead, Jesus said. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I will show you how even to embrace suffering. Self-help is no help at all. Don't buy another self-help book, folks. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? We're excited about this sermon series that Tyler and John will offer to you. John and I will offer to you these five weeks. I invite you not to miss a Sunday. Make that part of your Lenten commitment as well. And be expectant that the Lord will indeed bless you as you pray and read and act in his name. Amen.